This morning I'm preaching on the glory of communion. Stay seated, Be, or stay, stay standing, <laughs> air seated. If you could read with me from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Someone say amen. Yeah. Amen. Okay, now you can be seated. Good job. You guys are very obedient this morning. <laughs> I've been loving a little more interactive. It's good. It's good. Before I jump into this in particular, um, we have been going through a series here at Evergreen on spiritual warfare. And we've, even from kind of the beginning of this year, we've been learning how to not just be on the defense, but be on the offense. And I've been watching that in individuals that we, as we start to realize the authority and the power that was given to us from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the triumphant victory that took place at the cross, that when the enemy tries to come at us and attack us in any kind of way, we do not shudder in fear, we do not succumb to it, but we then arise with the power of Jesus Christ within us. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within you if you are a son or daughter of the Most High. You are a blood-bought son or daughter. And this, the authority that rests in Jesus is alive in you. And so we get to arise and to shine because our light has come. And his name is Jesus. And so today I want to go through something else that I... I I hear that sometimes communion is a tool, but a tool just feels like one of many small things on a tool belt. <laughs> Doesn't it feel that way? So I, I wanted to look at communion in a way that it is actually the glory of God released in the act of communion. And so no matter if you're like me where you grew up in church and you are used to the little plate passed around, which I don't know who the manufacturer is of those little silver or gold plates, but... <laughs> but they're doing good because I think churches all over the world have those things. The little wafers and the little cups, juice probably for most of you. Today we have wine because we're edgy. No, it's because, it's because that's what Jesus said to do. Wine, shocking. Um, and so uh, some, of, some of you like, you're like, oh, they're edgy. They got this graffiti behind the pastor. To be honest with you, I like a clean aesthetic. So when I walked in here for the first time, and this was, this was our only option like before COVID, everything else was, I was like, that's a lot of graffiti. They're gonna be like, ooh, this edgy LA church. But the Lord has worked in my heart and I love this graffiti now. It's a vibe, a vibe in the house. A vibe in the house. I'm talking about communion this morning, all right. So this verse that we just read, 
from 1 Corinthians 11. Paul's writing this inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's charging the church to, to do this act in remembrance of the cross, because that is the, the, the center of our entire lives. We, we talked last week about this life is not my own. Actually, the place that you can get real freedom, if you want freedom from anxiety, you want freedom from stress, you want freedom from fear, it's when you come to know this life is not my own. This life is for the glory of God. And you get so much freedom because you're not trying to make it on your own and make face and try to be something and prove something. And you just get to say, this life is for Jesus. Do you know how much freedom is in that? That when we die, we actually live. When we die under the water in baptism, we come alive in Jesus our living hope, the light of the world. And that living hope and light of the world becomes alive within us. And so we die to truly live. That is the gospel where we can live in relationship with him. And so I I can feel that the Lord is charging this within our spirits the past days and weeks that, that even on this topic of spiritual warfare, that we're actually just coming into rich relationship with Jesus. If you want powerful spiritual warfare in your life, it's called get in your prayer closet. It's called have a a talk with God throughout the day. It's called letting your prayer life be cranked up. Let the burners of your prayer life be cranked up. That is the most powerful force of spiritual warfare that we can have in our lives because we're living aligned to the light of God and it shines within every part of us. And so when we're looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians 11, this this is right in the middle of Jesus's betrayal days before he is crucified. Some, some argue whether it's Wednesday or Thursday before the Friday crucifixion, but this is, this is the sacrament that Jesus gave to his followers. Sacrament is what some say is a, a religious ceremony or a ritual regarded as imparting a divine grace, such as baptism, such as Eucharist, such as the, the, the praying or anointing of the sick. It's a thing of mysterious and sacred significance, a religious symbol. Now, even when some look at communion, they say this is just a symbolic act. Now, isn't it interesting that that's not actually what Jesus said, is it? He said, take, this is my body, this is my blood. And so I think there's a little bit of mystery that I want you guys to kind of settle with the Holy Spirit there as well. He didn't say, here's a symbol of my body, here's a symbol of my blood, because I believe he wants us to know the power that rests in this act of communion. So here Jesus gathered the disciples for a Passover meal. He gave them the most incredible visual for believers to remember this new covenant that was about to happen on the cross. And though traditionally we often take communion in a church setting, and how powerful to all do that together in unity, isn't it? When we can take communion together. But we can do this at home. We, we even have on our coffee table over here communion for you guys to take at any time as well. This is a time in, in your home groups that you can break bread together and drink together and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. It's a powerful tool that the Lord has given us. It's an act of victory. It's an act of triumph. And it proclaims powerfully each time the finished work of the cross into our lives and into our settings. And so I want to go through just a few things, four main areas of why communion is significant in our lives, 
What happens when we do this act of communion? How are we connecting to the power of God in this moment? Number one, what's the significance of communion? Number one, remembrance. When we take communion, we are reminding ourselves whose we are and what he did for us. There's a woman um, who, named Judy who is a staff member up at Bethel Church in Reading. And she talks about how many years ago, she, she had a prodigal son who was addicted to all sorts of kinds of drugs. And for years, about six years, he was addicted to drugs. And just, you can imagine the, the tension that that brought on the family with finances and, and hoping that your son is okay and, and wondering um, what the family's going to be like as he continues in this cycle of addiction. And so there was, there was a Sunday where they, they preached on communion. And she says, you know what? I felt something within me that I was just going to every single day take communion at home. And I was going to pray over my son. And so I did that. She did it for six weeks. For six weeks, every single day, she prayed for her son and took communion. And she pleaded the blood of Jesus over her son. And she says, come home, come home, come home. Addictions be broken in Jesus' name. And she was pleading the blood over her son, over her family. Within six weeks, her son actually came for a visit home. And she had an opportunity, which sometimes is hard to do, an opportunity where she was actually able to get his attention and to give prophetic words of encouragement to his life, where it actually was hitting his heart. And he kind of let that sit for a second. And on Sunday, he, he actually came with her to church. And after the church ser service, he came forward for prayer. She was stunned. This is my son who's been such a prodigal. I can't believe he's even coming forward for prayer. He came forward from prayer and the power of the Lord came upon him so tangibly that he fell to the ground under the weighty presence of Jesus and was immediately delivered of his addiction of drugs and set free. As beautiful as rehabilitation programs are, don't we prefer a one-step program named Jesus? That's what we're all going for, isn't it? There's more. Did you guys know there is more? There is more. I can feel that right now. Let it echo in your heart. There is more. We got to go after it. Go after the more. And so here, what a, what a beautiful picture of taking communion on another's behalf and just see the power of God demonstrated into a family member's life. Scripture tells us each time that we take communion, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. There is an active reminding ourselves whose we are and what Jesus did for us. Each time we take communion, we are proclaiming with this act, I am taking authority in my life once again of all the benefits of redemption of Jesus Christ for my life. Full forgiveness, complete wholeness, strength when I am feeling weak, health for my body, health for my mind, peace to my entire being and to my surroundings. You are declaring this, declaring this every time you break the bread and drink from the cup. And just as the Passover had been a memorial for the Jewish people, Passover being the time, we talked about this a few weeks ago, where if you remember the plagues that took place in Egypt and, and the very final blow to, to Egypt at that time was the final plague of the firstborn that would not survive through the night, except for those that put the blood of the lamb over the door frames of their homes. And with those that had the blood covering the door frames of their homes, the angel of death would pass by and they were safe. 
What a powerful image of us having the Lamb of God who was slain, the pure, spotless Lamb of God, who, who then was, was poured out as liquid love on our behalf. And sometimes that blood is, is available to each and every one of us. It is available to every single one of us. It's in the basin. And sometimes through the act of communion and through the authority that we take, we take our ordinary hyssop branch, just like the nation of Israel did. And we say, I'm going to plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I'm going to dip it in what Jesus has already paid for 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to release the authority of the blood of Jesus over the doorframes of my life, over my family, over my situations, and no form of death may enter. Do you see that there's an authority when we start to to remember what Jesus has done and paid for, whose we are, that we have been bought, that we have been cleansed, and that we have authority in the blood of Jesus. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. So number one, remembrance. Number two, what is the significance of communion? Number two, it is a prophetic act. Communion is a tool for intercession, and it is a prophetic act. Not only is it a personal realignment that takes place in our lives, we are proclaiming the reality of heaven here and now over our lives and in every area of impact. Communion as a sacrament is a prophetic act. No matter what situation you're currently facing, no matter what kind of warfare that you are facing in your life, you can apply it to those situations, anything that's in front of you or anything that is weighing on your heart. Do you guys know what a prophetic act is? You guys familiar with what a prophetic act is? A prophetic act, if you're not familiar, I heard a few low low quality yeses. So I'm not gonna skip that part. If I had heard a resounding yes, we would have already been on to the next session. So you guys need to pay attention, no. What is a prophetic act? It is a spirit-inspired physical action. Often it comes by listening to what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. And through our ordinary acts, just like the nation of Israel where they took their ordinary hyssop branch, a prophetic act is like taking your hyssop branch and making an act, making a move for what the Lord is wanting to do. And when we do it, it releases his extraordinary grace for what he wants to accomplish in that moment to bring the kingdom of God into a situation. It is a physical action that is prophesying of what God wants to do, his redemptive power, his goodness, his mercy, his hand into a situation. All right, I'm going to make this prophetic act. I felt like this is led by the Spirit. I'm going to do it. It might even feel a little, little silly, but you're like, this is the hand of God. This is the will of God into a situation. And I believe that the Lord is going to blow upon this to release power into a situation. Um, Kat's back here. Say hi, Kat, to everyone. Um, a couple months ago, I went with her and a few others up to the Hollywood sign. When she was in Mozambique, part of Harvest School, they had given each person a stake, this little plastic stake for for a tent. And they said, each and every one of you pray into where God wants you to put this, this, this stake in the ground. Because this is a prophetic act of what God wants to do to to stretch wide his tent pegs and to bring the authority of God into a place that he has called you. And so she gathered a few of us. We hiked on up to that Hollywood sign as far as you could go by car. And we worshiped a little bit, 
sought the Lord, what he wanted to say, read some scripture, and then we took that yellow tent peg and put that deep in the ground. And it's still up there. I'm sure it's still up there. (laughs) We put that, that marker in the ground as a prophetic act. And we actually had, like, days and weeks later, a couple confirmations where I, I believe even someone was saying about, like, a marker in the ground prophetically over Cat. And God is so good. We think our ordinary acts are like, that's sweet. We did our little act. We don't know that when, when we are obedient, the Lord power packs and releases a grace for what he wants to accomplish by our prophetic acts. We're releasing something into the atmosphere that helps answer, bring an answer and a solution from heaven to our prayers and to bring breakthrough. I want to read once more Exodus 12, 22, because this is, this is the act that the Lord had the nation of Israel do. Exodus 12, 22, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on the sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. This wasn't just a physical lamb's blood that saved them. It was the will of God that saved them. But as the families participated in the prophetic act that he had them take place, they were revealing what the heart is of God and submitting to his heart and to his will that brought that covering, that protection, that power of the Lord into a situation. And when we take communion, It is a prophetic act, a prophetic declaration with our actions. And we can plead the blood of Jesus once again over our lives and whatever is weighing on our hearts. It's taking that hyssop branch from the basin that was poured out 2,000 years ago and it's applying it to the door frames of our lives. So number two, prophetic act. Number three, communion is alignment. Communion aligns ourselves with heaven. When Jesus was leading the disciples through communion during their Passover meal together, he was creating and modeling a prophetic act that believers could continue to implement. He was giving us a way to align ourselves with heaven and to bring heaven's reality to earth. It's a time of humbling. It's a time of surrender. It's a time to get right with God and rededicate your life to him. It's a time of examination where you say, Holy Spirit, Would you highlight areas of my heart that I need to give to you once again? It's not from a place of condemnation. It's from a place of relationship where you're letting Jesus, the light of the world, permeate your heart and just look at the areas that you need to once again hand over to him. It's such a beautiful way to consecrate yourself before him. It's a time to reflect on thankfulness for his sacrifice, how his redeeming blood has impacted your life. It's a time to prophesy over your own life. If you're at home and you've got your communion, what a great time. We're so accustomed to prophesying over our friends, getting words for our friends, praying for each other. What if we actually turned to the Lord at home and said, what again do you want to speak over my life, God? You are a good father. What do you want to say about me? because we have to be those that know how to open ourselves up to receive his love. We have to be those that know how to receive the encouragement and the the bread of God into our lives so that we can be those that overflow. 
And we're not just working for any kind of uh, performance. We're not working to gain anything. We're not working for identity. We're not doing anything for recognition. We literally just want to be an overflow of the love of God because we're so filled up. Because every day we know how loved we are. We know how cherished we are. We know as a son or a daughter how much the Lord loves us. And we said, oh my gosh, you out there, my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers, you've got to know the same kind of love because it changes everything. That's what it looks like to be those who live in communion as we take communion. Remind yourself who you are in Christ. I have a few verses we want to flash up here. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but he lives in me. He lives in me and through me. Galatians 2.20, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, Jesus, who was absolutely perfect, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.7, I have a peace that passes understanding. If you have an area of your life that feels tumultuous, fearful, anxious, what a great way to, to stop, to pause, just as Sarah was saying, to pause among the, among the busyness, to get into that rich place of relationship and, and heart communion with the Lord as we, as we take and drink and eat and let the Lord move in power and in peace over our lives. As we are taking communion, we are aligning our minds with God's mind. We are able to partner with him to see breakthrough. If you've ever been battling any kind of personal struggles in your mind, trying to surrender, but you feel stuck in those cycles, how many times do we feel stuck in the same cycle and you're trying to surrender, you're trying to do better, you're trying to repent, you're trying to read a book to, to, to see improvement in a certain area. You really want your life to, to be improved and to, to be transformed. But if you feel stuck in your life, could this be a life-giving tool that you can implement into your life starting today where we can sit before the Lord and say, God, you are the cycle breaker. You are the one that breaks every curse by your blood. You've done it already. And I receive the power of the blood of Jesus to see this curse broken again, to see this cycle broken again, to see my dreams, the, 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 the haunting that comes through my dream life broken again, purity in my life broken again, to see the flow of Jesus activated in your life once again. Every single day, you can come into that beautiful, holy alignment and see the power of God ignited within your heart again. Amen. Number four, communion is also for spiritual warfare. It's an act of heaven's superior power and victory. Every time that we take communion, we remind ourselves that the enemy has been defeated and Jesus has the ultimate victory. There was an intercessory team that went from Redding, California up to Mount Shasta. And Mount Shasta, some of you know that are familiar with Northern California, it's, it's a very spiritual place. Shasta is an old volcano that's massive and all sorts of spiritual people come there. Um, there's a lot of new age activity. Some people call it a thin place. And so the church was like, there's a lot of darkness happening. Why don't we take a, a trip out there and see what God wants to do and intercede? So they got about 150 people and they went up to Mount Shasta to where they felt like the Lord wanted them to pray. 
and they ended up taking communion together. Um, this is very charismatic, what I'm about to say. They blew a shofar. You guys know what a shofar is? Someone, did someone bring a shofar this morning? Please raise it high if you did. I will be... I, well, yeah, I, I need to be careful what I ask for, actually. Please don't blow a shofar in worship unless you're instructed to do so. Same goes for tambourines or any kind of bells. Okay. <laughs> Please keep them at bay. All right, so, but they blew a shofar. A shofar is a, a blast. It's a prophetic call. It's a calling to attention. It's a cutting through the airwaves. And so they were able to, to pray out what God wants to do. Um, I, I was kind of refreshed about this story, and I was like, I actually have a little shofar, a little, little ram's horn on my shelf. I used to play trumpet in middle school. So I'm, I'd like to say I'm decent at the shofar. <laughs> Pretty good. Can go a couple octaves. It's very impressive. And so I was like, shoot, maybe I should blow that shofar once in a while. I don't know. Let's dust that thing off. Let's go. But what they did, these 150 intercessors got up there. They, they did this prophetic act, this form of warfare, this offensive movement of the Lord of what he wants to do in that setting. And almost immediately as they finished, this like random person who was doing some new age activities like jumps from behind a tree and starts hissing at them. Just gives a nice hiss. Like some of you just imagine a nice hiss. I'm not going to do it for you. All right. He starts hissing at them and then just starts running away. And they're like, I guess we were doing something, right? <laughs> and then they took like a little further, further down, very close by. And there was a woman trying, like in the lotus pose. And she was really trying to like channel. And she just goes, shh, shh. Like she, she was really trying to uh, shush them. To, uh, she didn't like the heavenly activity that was going on as she was tuning into another source. And um, they, were, they turned and they were like, well, I guess she's not going to be going very far today in her activities. And so sometimes we get these confirmations like, man, these, these acts that we do, our simple acts are actually piercing through the atmosphere and bringing a change of what God wants to do. It's spiritual warfare. And perhaps there's an area in your life that yet you might feel like, oh, there's a battle here. Perhaps this is a tool that I can use to take communion over a specific area. I can also notice that these nice trickling, trickling trickles over here from the rooftop, thank God they're not falling on you this morning. Hallelujah. Thank God they're not falling on our Nord piano back here. So we have a lot to be grateful for here in America, don't we? Just imagine a nice peaceful trickle. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a supernatural fountain just coming forth, bringing in ease this morning. <laughs> Yeah, I know some of you were already imagining that, so that's great. So here in spiritual warfare, um, this is a time where we can give a fresh dedication and a declaration of the kingdom of God and his righteousness when we break the bread and drink from the cup. Through communion, I've been brought back to the realization of this reality that his world is my true reality, not this one. Heaven is my true reality, not this one. Sometimes it feels like this one. We can touch it. We can see it. We can feel it. This feels like a superior reality. But the truth is that heaven is our superior reality. And through communion, it gives us fresh vision, fresh purpose. It gives us new eyes to see from his perspective into earth. There is enough power in the blood of Jesus to cancel every curse, 
every assignment that comes against you. There is enough power in the blood of Jesus to save you from every single sin. There is enough power in the blood of Jesus to redeem your body from every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. The power has not waned in 2,000 years. It is still very much alive. It is still speaking a better word. It is a word of triumph. It is a word of victory by the resurrection power of our God. Someone say amen in the house. When Jesus shed his blood, he made a new covenant with creation. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Instead of a God who is manifesting on the earth as smoke and fire, he manifests himself in the flesh. His name is Jesus, fully God, fully man, walking with us. Instead of a sacrificial animal that was bleeding and dying for the sins of the people, where every single year they had to give new sacrifices, one more year of sin, put off. One more year, put off. But Jesus came as the pure, spotless Lamb of God, whose body was broken, crushed, his blood poured out as a once and for all, final, all-sufficient sacrifice for all time, paying for sin that was past, present, and future. And the promise continues in Luke 22, verse 20. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, Jesus says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This blood was shed as a covenant promise for all of eternity. Everything changed. Jesus' blood paid for full redemption. It washed us as white as snow, giving us the ability to dwell in the presence of our Father without any intermediary necessary. Unashamed, without fear, boldly approaching the throne of grace. And this blood gave us freedom and authority. Hell had been disarmed and defeated for all of eternity. And now we get to boldly release heaven into earth, extending wide the kingdom of heaven. This is the power that is released as we take this cup and we take this bread and we break it just as Jesus' body was broken for us. And we drink his blood, remembering his sacrifice, his love poured out. He would have done it if it was just you on this planet that needed redemption. He would have done it just for you. And that's the truth. Your life, some of you even struggle to believe that, that, that his love is enough just for you, that he would have done this all over again just for your life to buy you back by his precious blood. And so just in a, in a moment, we're going to take communion. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with me? And Brett, you can go ahead and put on that track. I want to read a few verses that are full of power, full of the redemptive power of Jesus over us. 
A lot of us know that communion paid for our sins. A lot of us know that it paid for our freedom in our lives to, to walk in righteousness. And I, I want to challenge some of us this morning that the blood of Jesus also paid for your sickness and your disease. Just a few nights ago, um, we were in Pasadena with Jesus Image, and I was, I've, I've seen this many times before, but I was just reminded of it, that even taking of the cup and breaking the bread, the power of God is released for healing. The healer is released. And when we attach our faith to who the healer is and what he does, you might not even need someone to pray for you. It's just the redemptive power of God at work through communion. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Some translations say he crowns you with love and compassion. This is our God who, who not only wants to just redeem you and redeem your life from the pit, but he wants to look at your life and crown you with love and compassion. Psalm 107, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. Some of you out there just like, I'm in distress in my life. Well, we have the one who is the deliverer from all distress. He is the living God. He sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Psalm 147, what another promise that we can just let sink in. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And sometimes it feels like it's easier for God to heal a backache than to heal a heart that's just aching deeply. And here his promise remains that he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He is the balm of Gilead. Gilead is, is God's, it's, it's his people full of worship. It's his people that even the word Gilead is like a stone pile of remembrance, meaning we get to be those people who are piling up the testimony of Jesus and rejoicing and worshiping because who God is. And so he is the bomb of Gilead. Our worship, our testimony, shouting out, singing out, glorifying God for who he is and what he's done works like a bomb into God's people, bringing a healing power that takes place. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There's something mysterious here that even our radical act of yielding to the Lord, turning from darkness and turning towards the light releases a refreshment and healing to your physical body. Proverbs 4, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape from your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life 
to those who find them. The words of God are life to those who find them. And they are healing for your flesh. If you need healing for your flesh or for your mind or for your broken heart, the words of God, the living word of God that is active in scripture is a healing agent into your life. This is his promise. Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we were esteemed, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds and by his stripes, we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned every single one. We have turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. I love that the, the New Testament reality of this verse, the connection in 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Do you see the completion in the new covenant? The completion that by the stripes of Jesus, with every beating, with every whip, with all of the torment, he paid for your healing. He paid for it. We have been healed. It's time to release the power and the appropriation of what has been paid for into our lives. And I, I wanna end with this verse, Jeremiah 8, 22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no balm in Gilead? Remember, Gilead is is the stone pile of remembrance. It's, it's looking at the testimony of who Jesus is and it releases a worshiping people. Isn't that who we're called to be as a church? We look at the stone after stone that Jesus has done in our lives. Remembering, remember when he did this in my life? Remember when he broke this thing and I could walk in freedom? Remember when this thing didn't even, didn't even affect me anymore because I had so much confidence in him when he set me free? These, this is our stone pile of our history with God. And it works like a bomb, a healing agent into our lives, into our bodies. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? He's saying, have we forgotten that Jesus is our healer? Have we forgotten? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? He's calling us to attention. Remember, remember worshiping community. Remember those of testimony. He is a bomb. He is a healing. He is the healer. And so this morning, we're going to take communion together now. And I want us to, in just a moment, we've got four stations up here. Um, two here on the stage. We have one at the coffee table, and we have one at the media table. And we're going to take about five minutes and, and just reflect. Right where you're at, would we close our eyes and just tune in? God, right now, we, your people, are humbled to come before you and to see the power of Jesus made manifest in our lives. 
Even right now, we, we align our lives with the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And many of you, this is a time to reflect and to hand some things over. Many of you, you might have a situation that's just in pain or in turmoil, and this is an opportunity to see God's power at work and released in those areas as well. Maybe you've been tormented in your mind or you have heartache. Would we take the elements this morning and let the power of God come and move in our lives? Maybe there's an area of your physical body that needs healing. What a great time to release the power of Jesus into our bodies for full restoration. And so we ask Holy Spirit right now, come in power, move through this act. Let it be holy unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna say before you come up that, that this is an act for followers of Jesus. So if you've not yet made that decision, this would be a great day to make that decision. Great day to make that decision. Um, and we're gonna have a ministry team here at the end that would love to meet and pray with you. But this is an act for those that follow Jesus because it's saying that we do this to remember who our God is. And so um, would you actually now go ahead and take a seat and would you reflect for just a moment and when you are ready, when you're ready, you can come forward, break off a piece of bread, dip it in the wine and take it right up here.